Welcome everyone to the Credible Nerds Podcast. My name is Justin and I have a special guest with me here today. We'll be talking something different. This is our first podcast episode in a new series that we're going to be doing. Uh, we'll be addressing the Stephen King novels and short stories and movies and everything Stephen King. So I brought in a Stephen King expert specifically for this podcast. You've heard him in our podcast before. Uh, I was looking back at the records and back in April 2017, I think it was, when you were a guest initially, one of our first <laughs> guests. So that was awesome. Uh, but we're bringing back Jordan. Hello. Welcome. And he's a big time Stephen King fan. Um, how long have you been reading Stephen King, would you say, Jordan? Oh, I started in, I want to say ninth grade. So that would have put me at 15. So we're 23, 23 years now. Nice. I'm doing, if I'm doing math right. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, it was ninth, ninth grade. So I okay. think is when I started. Yeah. Maybe eighth, somewhere in middle school. Yeah. I think I read my first Stephen King novel then around that age too, uh, The Stand, but that was it. <laughs> I didn't keep reading that much after that. A couple here <laughs> and there. That's all. I, I probably could get the year right because The Green Mile was out when I started. That wasn't my first Stephen King book, but it, after I read the first couple, then The Green Mile came out. So, mm -hmm. yeah. Okay. So, yeah. So were you hooked that first book or like what, uh, what started you? Yeah. So, I mean, I grew up reading goosebumps. Those, that was my, yeah. you know, my jam. I'd go to the, the book fair every, every year and get the new couple goosebump books that had come out and just, you know, got to the point where I was like talking to my mom and I'm like, I want something scarier. So we tried a couple, you know, I did a piece in Peter Straub and just some stuff. And then she's like, Oh, I read, the shining in college and it scared me pretty good. So that was my first, my first Stephen King book was the shining. Okay. Just ate that up. Um, then I did uh, cycle of the werewolf, which is a really lesser known uh, Stephen King story, but it was more my age level. It's pretty short and illustrated. And, mm. and then I started the green mile and in talking to my mom about the green mile, she then banned me from reading Stephen King. So I, <laughs> I think I stopped right after that until um, kind of I got into college. And then I just was like, I'm going to pick this up again. And I started from Carrie and just full on read through. Oh, nice. So that's how I like doing things. I'm very, I'm Methodical. very particular in my order. I, I struggle doing things out of order so <laughs> i think they call that ocd is that what it is <laughs> i have a lot of those tendencies especially just movies books everything it's got to be how they came out so i'm very yeah ocd in that way so <laughs> yeah. Yeah. cool but yeah yeah i think we all have our passions i'd rather call it a passion than an ocd yeah. <laughs> diagnosis but um yeah we all have our passions um i have mine and that's uh, we've known each other for 10 years, maybe a little bit longer. Yeah, a little bit longer. And that was one of the first things we talked about was just Stephen King and all the books and how much you've read. And we I, we kind of spent some time at lunch break talking about that. Uh, you were obviously a bigger fan than I was. So it was, <laughs> it was fun to talk to you about those things, though. Uh, we started this first episode. We're going to be talking about Firestarter. And we both read the book. You've read it how many times? 
So I think this, I think, you know, apart from really The Shining, I've read that a couple times and that one I can just kind of pick up, but I'm really going through my just second read through. I mean, it took me like seven or eight years to read everything the first time. And now I've, I started, so this is a good medium for me to then start it back up again. Cause I really was like, I want to start going through and reading in order again. So I started with Carrie uh, last year and then it worked out really good. Cause Firestarter was next on my list, right. Yeah. Uh, as this, the new movie came out. So it was a perfect uh, one to watch. So, yeah. Yeah, this was my first time reading it. Um, I liked it. It was good. It's quick read. Probably took me uh, five, six, seven hours maybe uh, total, and uh, maybe not that long, but it was good. Um, when was this book written? Do you remember? So I've got like it. Yeah, uh, nineteen eighty. Oh, okay. So yeah, before I was born. <laughs> yeah. So in the timeline of oh. So we are doing, um, on our website, there's a new Stephen King section on CredibleNerds.com. Just go to CredibleNerds.com. There's a series review tab on the main menu. It's a drop down, click on that, and there's a Stephen King option. So go there. And we're going to try to post writ- written reviews as well as you know links to, to this podcast and, and other things. So go check that out. But we have a chronological read-through list that uh, you created. Um, yeah. And I think this is like book nine on the on the list. So kind of what's your um, thoughts or your creation thought process on creating that, that timeline? Um, it starts with Carrie, right? Yep. We got Carrie. Um, we're talking just kind of where this falls in in that. Well, how did you like create the timeline? Is that oh, a... So, so I actually own in my... I guess expertise we'll call instead of my nerdiness, maybe of Stephen King. I actually just own a straight up bibliography. It was like 60 bucks and it's just straight. This book was written. Here's all the versions of it. Here's when they came out and it just lists them all in order. It ends maybe five, it's a couple years old, five or six years old. So it doesn't have the newer stuff, but Mm -hmm. I just went through that list one by one and, I filtered the stuff that was like, it's, that's impossible to find. Um, yeah. Some things you can't, you know, he canceled some stuff and things like that, but just went through the main, just his novels and that's how I compiled it. So. Okay. Um, is it chronological in publication order or yeah. you, yep. in universe? Is there an in universe order? No, or they- there's not a in universe pretty you know, my history, and that's kind of one of the reasons I like reading them in order, especially Stephen King, because everything does kind of, you know, happen in a big universe. I actually have, I mean, I'll, I have a Stephen King universe book. Okay. Um, and so it kind of goes and says, hey, these people are in this book. They later show up in this book. So, I mean, um, he does a pretty good job. This doesn't. This isn't a prequel to anything that has already happened. It falls kind of right in line. But I mean, Firestar is also kind of unique in that it really doesn't have anything to do with anything else. Mm. Um, no characters are reoccurring. No locations. It's just. It's kind of a one-off. So. Okay. Cool. 
So that list on our website is in publication order. Publication um, order. Okay. Cool. Not a hey, this is how you should how you should read um, order. I mean, I guess we could break some stuff down. You know, you have the some series, Dark Tower series, and then um, recently he's really focused on a uh, uh, that's kind of like the Bill Hodges trilogy, um, and then you have the Gwendy trilogy. So I mean, he's got some of those that are you know, ser- actual series, but mm-hmm. for the most part, things are they're standalone, but they do, you know, you get some little Easter eggs and nods here and there. So, okay, cool. So you mentioned earlier that the Firestarter movie came out recently and that prompted yep. you to pick this book to start with this one. Um, I did watch the new movie that came out with Zac Efron and uh, we watched it. We didn't go to the theaters. We watched it in our basement on Peacock. And that was a good move. <laughs> it was five bucks a month. No, ten, we paid the $10 ad-free version. But uh, I thought it started out really well with the film, the background with the, the testing at the college. And there's kind of like this VCR-type footage of them being interviewed during that experimentation that they participated in. And so I thought it started out good, and I was like, oh, this is going to be really good. It's bringing in the, the book. It's not doing these crazy flashback scenes and things. And then it got going and going. And to be honest, probably 20 minutes in, I was like, I don't know, man. <laughs> I don't know how this is going to go. And then about an hour in, uh, the people who are watching it with, my wife and some friends, uh, they were just bored. And I kind of was bored, too. I was disappointed. Um, we got to the scene at the farm with the the sniper guy was well we are going to talk spoilers just so you know <laughs> uh, I, I would imagine that if you're here for for this you have read the book at least or seen the movie so we will be talking spoilers and things of, out of order um, but we'll try and cover everything so yeah the the Indian was killing the police officers and uh, I don't know I just couldn't we, I turned it off meaning to watch it later and then I never did never did follow up so but you uh you've seen the original when was that first movie with drew barrymore when did that come out um let me see 80s right yeah because um drew barrymore is actually the uh she plays charlie mcgee in the original film Mm -hmm. um it looks like here they're saying 1984 um right at halloween time was the original one so yeah and i remember seeing that as a kid you know, seeing like, ooh, there's fire, and she can start fires with her mind. So I knew a little bit. I don't know when I started seeing that, maybe late 80s on video or something. <laughs> so I was aware of it, but I don't remember ever watching it. Um, maybe I did at some point, but uh, so I didn't, I never saw it that I remember. How would you compare? You've seen, you were telling me earlier, there's that movie, then there's a, like a follow up sequel. There's a, yeah, there's a made for TV sequel that now, we get Charlie and, and Stephen King has always said he wants to, you know, he's funny. He, he says, Hey, a sequel would be good. And yet he, that idea hasn't come up in his head. So he let somebody else do it. (laughs) And, uh, you know, I will say it was more interesting than the remake. (laughs) It was 2020. Yeah. Um, because Stephen King is also very notorious for, not having a lot of control in his movies. He doesn't like it. Um, He's one that he's like, I wrote the book 
and I'm going to give you the rights to make the movie and you, you, you do it. And I'm excited to see what you want to do with it. And so it kind of is a interesting subject with, with the fans because, you know, to be, to be frank, a lot of the movies, you know, that are Stephen King adaptions miss the mark um, just because I think we have that expectation of what, you know, oh, I want to see this and I want to see this play out and I'm excited to see this scene happen. And a lot of times they're completely different. Um, and so I try to really go in with that mindset of, hey, this is just, you know, it's kind of fire starter. Let's see how it will. Let's see how it will play out and stuff like that. But I struggled with this new movie just in it in itself. I didn't enjoy the movie even as just a as a movie, kind of like you said, I was bored during it. I, you know, Firestarter, we can't really call it a true horror movie. It's not that scary. Um, but I, you know, didn't have the thrills and anything yeah. like that. So I, you know, I thought it missed a lot of the good storytelling. Just, I didn't care for any of the characters, um, mm -hmm. you know, things like that. And so the original movie, um, really followed the book to to a T. Hmm. Uh, probably one of the more faithful adaptions I've ever seen. Now it had to leave a lot out. It's a you know again short movie, but yeah. um it that that one did follow pretty much what what happened. So hmm. um I, I did it. Yeah it really it, bothered me that it was it started out strong and then didn't just kind mm -hmm. of went on its own way. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. So the the initial movie, the original movie did follow it pretty well. How was the like the overall story, did it feel like they left a bunch out or was it pretty strong? Well, or? Yeah. I mean, and just to talk a lot about the, with Firestarter, the, you know, the real kind of, in my opinion, the real like horror of, you know, Firestarter, the thing I like the most is you have John Rainbird, who's kind of this main villain behind the scenes and just his, you know, <laughs> maybe even with today's society a little more uh hit to home that's kind of the interesting thing reading these books now but his grooming of this little girl of mm -hmm. you know and he kind of creepily fell in love with her yeah <laughs> um but he's just grooming her to do what he wants her to do and get her to do these things and kind of tricking her and all of that is kind of lost when you have just a you know hour and a half movie yeah. Um, this is something I think could be great as like a drama TV series where you could really look at these personal relationships because, you know, cause that's for me is one of the better parts of the storytelling is just how he, you know, he's pretty evil and you don't get a sense in that from any of the film adaptions. There's just not enough time. And in the new one, you really even, don't have a clue who the heck he is for yeah. he just kind of shows up and starts shooting people. And you're like, I, who's this guy? Yeah. <laughs> so, yeah. so that, yeah, it was, it was, that was rough because that's a lot of the, you know, and also for Stephen King stuff, he's a big personal storyteller. And so his movies do kind of fall flat in that because they got to get it, get the story going, but sometimes it works and sometimes it doesn't. So, yeah. Yeah. You brought up a good point earlier in that, it's not really a horror story. There's some scary stuff and some creepy stuff with Rainbird, like you mentioned. Um, 
but it was less horror than I would I was expecting from a Stephen King novel. Mm-hmm. Uh, I did enjoy it. Um, as far as the story elements, the the secret agency that's testing people and now has to track them down, you know, get rid of them and or try to capture them and all that stuff. So the drama of the story was really good, and the character development and just the character interactions. There wasn't a lot of character development outside of Charlie and uh, what's her her dad's name again? Andrew? Uh, Andy. 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 Yeah. yeah. Outside of those two, because we spent a lot of time with them, but like the background characters with Rainbird and the professor and the main CIA guy, John, um, they're not all, there's some story there and we do get a peek into their lives but it's not as intense as the other ones. But yet I still feel like they were well-rounded characters and I mm-hmm. could sense their motivations, sympathize with them a little bit. And so very well-written characters, despite their lack of, yeah. you know, overall screen time. Yeah. And one of my, you know, favorite things, and that's actually kind of the horror of it. And you missed it out on both movies, but you know, Andy has the ability to push people and get them to do do things and you know the way they portray it in both movies is just kind of silly he's got to do something physical to show you that he's pushing people you know and in in the original movie he actually like grabs his head and he does this little thing and it's just ridiculous (laughs) But, uh, but then what happens is you know he pushes somebody and then their brain just kind of starts unraveling and that was one of the more unsettling things is you know, one of the actually Andy's doctor um, in the book, he commits suicide by sticking his hand in a garbage disposal because he yeah. just kind of goes insane. And so that also was kind of yeah. just seeing That's that true. play out and seeing it play out long of just this mental dysfunction also was really kind of horrifying in that he'd cause these echoes to happened to these people and then how he just kind of had to manipulate or well not manipulate but push everybody as they're trying to escape and really kind of i both both films there wasn't enough time to do that so it was just mm-hmm. you know and in and in the new film they are not even in like that because that's that's the thing that most of the book actually they get captured like midway in the book um, by the shop agents and they go to this facility to then just live and she's living, you know, can't see her dad. And like you said, that's kind of this evil government CIA, like we've kidnapped an eight year old girl. She can't see her family that no lawyers or hearings. It's just, you're here. We got you. We kidnapped yeah. you in the new movie. There is, that does not happen at all. So oh, really? that's, yo, yeah. She just, <laughs> They get her dad and take her somewhere, and she just goes and burns the place up. But there was no, like, hey, you're here, and we're going to test you. So that, that was kind of disappointing as well, because that's a big part of the story is just her kind of – The whole psychological being, drama. Yeah, uh-huh, yep. Yeah. And that's where the you know manipulation from John Rainbird really happens is he you know becomes her friend and mm-hmm. you know really messes with her as well. So Yeah. That's funny with Rainbird, you know, we were both self-disclosure. We were both CPS workers, child protective <laughs> service workers at one time. And we would investigate people who would groom little girls to do yep. what they want, usually sexually. 
Um, so the the whole time I'm reading that is like having flashbacks of uh-huh, the old yeah. job. It's like, no, <laughs> this guy's a, he's a pervert. Get him. Yeah. And like you it, said, he did fall in love with her on some level. That was weird. But. Well, and then, and then if we want to, you know, go true spoiler, I mean, mm-hmm. the end of the end of the new movie, sh- she leaves with him. Oh. He stays alive. She stays alive. Wow. And she's like, Oh, we are connected. And <laughs> off they go. Now again, in that new movie, it's not as creepy because, you know, and I don't know if in the first hour it alludes to this, but he also kind of was part of these experiments or he had yeah. some, mm-hmm. you know, and that's different from the book. And so she was kind of felt some connection to him, but yeah, they go off and hmm. go off in the sunset, if you will. And so then I was like, Ooh, geez. <laughs> so, that's bad. But yeah, so that's, yeah, it's just how kind of how that went. So. Mm-hmm. Okay. Well, now I'm curious to see that first movie. I think I'll I'll watch it if I can get if it's on Netflix. I don't know. How did you watch it? Do you own it? Or? Um, it's on Peacock as well. Okay. I'll Peacock's got the whole the whole trill the whole trilogy the hmm. the original the sequel if you will and then the the new one. So okay, I have to check that out. Cool. So as far as the book goes the book's always better it seems like i've seen very (laughs) few movies where the the movie is on par equal or better Mm -hmm. than the book Uh, this isn't one of them (laughs) (laughs) so the the story um it does start out with andy and charlie on the run in new york and then we kind of through flashbacks we get how uh andy met charlie's mom and how they did the experimentation with uh, lot six at the college they were at and got injected and they had this really surreal experience. Um, I th- it sounds like they both had different experiences, but they were both ended up having psychic powers on some mm-hmm. level at the end of it. Um, and that changed their lives. They continued to, con- to connect. They got married, had Charlie. So she's the only out of how many kids were chosen for the experiments? Like you know, 12? I've, I yeah it was double digits it was like 12 or something and then you know a handful even had died almost in the experiment it kind of seemed like and so Mm -hmm. there was like four left um, if I can remember correctly or a small number that were left Charlie and his wife and then a handful of others and then again or Andy and his wife and then Charlie was the Mm -hmm. only offspring from the project. Yeah, so with her being the offspring, uh, the shop, which is the government agency, was really interested in her and what her capabilities are. So they like tapped their phones and monitored the family, and eventually found out that she could do pyrokinesis. Is that mm-hmm. the word? Yep. Yep. yeah, yeah. So they really wanted to get her, and that's what starts the whole chase. You know, uh, the mom is killed during at some point. Uh, trying to torture her because Charlie had left the home to a friend's house. So they were torturing the mother to find out where she was and she ended up dying. And then the dad rescues her from the agents after she had been taken. And then they, they're on the run ever since for like, like a year and a half, I think is what, like when the story starts, it'd been like a year, year and a half. Yeah. Some significant time. Yeah. Yeah. So most of the story is them being chased and then they get captured and taken to the shop's headquarters. 
to be studied and observed and all that stuff. So that's the latter half of the book. Yeah. Um, so the chase scene was pretty cool. That's when we get to know the characters, uh, Andy and Charlie, their history, their backstory. Uh, we also get to know um, Rainbird during this part of the story a little bit. Um, and then the shop, their agents and stuff like that. We get to know them as well. So it's a lot of introductories and things like flashbacks and all that stuff. As far as, do you like flashbacks in your stories, in your novels? You know, I, I don't mind it. And especially with this one, because it's, you know, it starts out from page one, just kind of running, you know. And so then you get a little invested in, you know, into this, ooh, what's going on? And then, you know, I think in this one, they, they were very well placed. Um, you know, you got to see Andy and Charlie. And then you're like, oh, wait, there's there's a wife somewhere. Where is she? You know, and he kind of did a really good job of pacing the story to the flashbacks to make it kind of, you know, make the flashbacks have significance to the um, story. Like one of the better flashbacks I think is just them growing up with a child with pyrokinesis. Um, You know, the, the, the main doctor that was in charge of it, Dr. Wanless was, you know, kind of explaining like, man, how scary must that have been for them? Like, you know, the baby just lights the crib on fire when she's mad and burns, you know, there was a big, you know, significant incident where she burned her mom because she was mad, like, and just, and that really led to her, you know, it would just, it was just beaten into her. You cannot do this. Like, do not do this. And so that was, really her mental struggle and especially when she got captured mm-hmm. and everyone's telling her to do it. And she's like, no, this is, this is bad. It's that's one of the actual things in the original movie. I did not like as he was trying to teach her to hone it in and in the, you know, and to use it and to control it. And in the book, he was just like, this is the worst thing in the world. Like you cannot light fires. And so that was a real struggle for her when she needed to light fires to, escape on the run and you know things like that so that was a big dilemma and so those flashbacks helped kind of really cement that dilemma into her so yeah yeah i agree it was good it was good storytelling Mm -hmm. Uh, that way you didn't have to like have this whole scene you know and then jump forward in time and then have another scene and jump forward in time you know it was very fluid and uh, interesting so yep uh well they're on the run there's one thing I was reading, and I think you already addressed it, but um, I want to bring it up. They're, they're hitchhiking. They're being chased after the airport, I think. Um, they fall down this hill, and they get picked up by this guy in a van. And it has like these, this one of those old vans that has a painting on the side of the van, like this fantasy scene, that's what I remember. And he picks them up and takes them to their next town or something. And I was wondering, is that... I got the sense that this guy shows up later because he was, I don't know, he seemed like he knew a lot of stuff and he's, but I, don't I, I don't think we ever hear from him oh, again. Okay. Like, again, they, you know, they just, uh, um, you know, cause that's when then they go kind of to the, you know, stay at the hotel. Well, you know, right after the airport, you know, he, and this gets kind of blurred in with, you know, again, when we're watching, two movies in a book and, you know, it all kind of meshes together. But like, you know, he uses his abilities, pays the taxi driver, 
a dollar to take him, you know, way out of the way. And he tricks him in that it's a 500 bucks. And, um, but yeah, that, the, that guy with the van, we don't see, um, like in another book or anything? not in another book or, oh. you know, or anything like that. So there's nothing, um, nothing, at least from what I've read that, that there's any significance there. So, okay. Seemed like, Stephen King was trying to give you a, a wink and a nod, like, yeah. <laughs> remember this guy? He was also in this book, and he, yeah, you know, kind of that. That's the feel I got from it. Maybe so. there was that intention, but I yeah, yet to come across it. So okay, darn it! I thought I'd come upon <laughs> a come upon a spoiler or a Easter egg or something. Now, do you remember his? Did he ever say his name? I think so. I don't remember though. I was gonna say maybe if I knew the name, but uh, yeah, this. This uh, in this universe book, it's kind of got the tie-ins, and mm-hmm. there isn't any real character uh, tie-ins. It's just except for the shop later appears in in another book, but oh, okay. So cool. All right, so yeah, they're they're hitchhiking. They're staying in hotels. They're paying for everything with cash to try try not get tracked. Um, they eventually find their way to a farm. They get picked up by hitchhiker, hitchhiker, and he takes them home. And they live on a farm. And him and his wife take care of uh, Charlie and Andy for a bit, give them some food. Um, and in the movie, this was <laughs> this was weird, at least in the new one, where the wife is like on life support in this back room. <laughs> and I was like, this is not the movie. I don't even understand. Why does she have to be on life support? Like, what purpose does that serve? So, mm-hmm. that was silly. That was one of the most disappointing parts of the movie for me. Mm-hmm. Because Irv Manders, the farmer, I mean, he is one of the most selfless characters, if you will. Because he, he picks these people up. And then he kind of, from the get-go, thinks something's off, mm-hmm. you know, with them. And then as he gets the story out from Andy, like, hey, these government agents are after me and this and that, like, and he's stuck up for him uh, the whole time, like, knowing what had happened. And even after, because, you know, you don't get this sense from the movie, but, like, Charlie basically burns his house to the ground (laughs) in in the battle that ensues here. And he he is very understanding and, hey, these government people were in the wrong and you know where you know the Irv Manders in the new movie was kind of yeah. not great very you know and selfish selfish he wanted the money to take him from the hitchhike you know they kind of mesh the taxi driver and the you know turning the one dollar into a hundred dollars they kind of gave that to him and so it made him seem not so selfless as this farmer who's just like I'm gonna take you in and help you and feed you and you know, and then it later turns significant because in the in the book, that's where she goes back to because that's all then she knows. They've made such an impression on her. Yeah. Uh, that's all that. So that's who she goes to. So. Yeah, he was the nicest person she had met recently yeah. and yep. the one that she felt she could trust it. So when she escaped the shop, she made her way back there to be with them. So. Yeah, I, I agree. That was disappointing the way they wrote that character for the movie. Mm-hmm. That's that's probably when I lost interest at that point. Like I was still holding and, out, but yeah. And there wasn't really any of the shop. And you know, if you remember reading from the book, the shop knew something, but they didn't really know 
what she like the extent of her powers. Like Dr. Wanless was trying to tell people like, hey, she is we like she's got these powers and they all kind of were just like, come on in. And, you know, from the book when she just starts burning the cars and the people and everything. And one of the main like agents that was after her, he was just like, nope, I'm out. Yeah. Like, I'm taking off. Rainbird wasn't even really there. That's just kind of when Rainbird was like, "Hey, I will handle, yeah. I will handle this. We're gonna have to find another way to get her. We can't take her by force." Mm-hmm. Um, but that was kind of the first time they really knew what she yeah. could do. And in the and again in the movie, it's just the police show up. Rainbird kills all the police people, and yeah, she weird. runs away. Like, yeah. <laughs> and so it was just again very. You know, that the Manders farm scene is on my top list of favorite scenes of just what happens. And that's just, yeah, kind of not there in any of the in any. Well, in the movie, in the original movie, it's it's there, um, but not in this new one. So, Mm -hmm. yeah, yeah, that was a pretty intense scene there with when they she attacks everybody and they're able to escape. Mm -hmm. And so after escaping the farm, they go to, the, they're able to take uh, Irv's Jeep that he, he lends them. And they go to uh, Andy's grandpa's cabin out in the yeah. middle of Virginia somewhere. So they hide out there. And they think they're alone. It's close to the winter. So they get there and then it starts snowing and they end up wintering there. But he goes into town and buys supplies and stuff. And he thinks they're out there alone, but the shop knows They've they've known pretty much since the beginning <laughs> that uh, that that's where they were, but they let them lie low so there's no further damage, and they try to regroup and figure out what to do next. Um, this is the part where we see the computer, like <laughs> we yeah. could tell it was written back in the '80s, because they're just like, oh, enter in this numbers and it or this data, <laughs> and it tells us what to do. Uh, what do you think about the, the using the computer to figure out what's going well, on? especially in the end when you know because rainbird or yeah rainbird then in the end is figuring out all these like probabilities and like you know stuff like that and it's yeah one of those uh yeah we it's that computer of the times we actually just watched uh willy wonka and the charlotte factory and he's punching in this thing to the computer talking to it. And it's just, yeah, that's how the computers of the eighties were, I guess. Yeah. So, <laughs> and Very yeah, they cloud this, yeah, this, you know, database, Hey, what's the probability? Where's he going to go? And it's like 90, 96% chance he's going to this yeah. specific place. So yeah. yeah. That's funny. Um, yeah. So they, they let him lay low and then they move in and they capture both of them there as they're trying to leave as the winter the spring comes uh they take them back to the shop and i was i was really looking forward to seeing the shop as i as i saw that the story was going that way i was like oh this will be good but it's like basically like this farm in southern united states somewhere yeah just these like nice colonial houses you know and um yeah very different from you know and even in the in the original movie, it alludes to it, but you know, it wasn't like a prison. She, yeah. you know, it was it was just a house basically that they house with no doors. You couldn't get, you know, couldn't yeah. couldn't leave. But yeah, it was just a nice farmhouse had horses and mm-hmm. green yards and stuff like that. So 
Yeah. But there's deep underground levels with Yep. I don't think they were cells, but they were or was it like a basement? I got the impression it was like five, six levels down and then there was like Yeah, they had their testing, you know, their testing areas for especially for her. Mm-hmm. Um yeah, where they would do that. So yeah, so the the dad Andy and Charlie lived down there for like six months, nine months. Oh yeah, long, long time. Mm-hmm. And the whole time, this is when we saw Rainbird kind of try to win her over, which he does, mm-hmm. and just try to get it on her good side. And but the dad, he he kept having these premonitions throughout the story, and he gets one here that Charlie's in danger, and he's got to so he starts to figure out, okay, I gotta I gotta do something different. Was that were those premonitions part of the like the side effects of the experience? Yeah, or? yep. He kind of had these premonitions, and this is where I liked again the the more mental thing of him just starting to lay the groundwork that he had nothing left in the tank because they knew that he could, you know, control minds. <laughs> Another ridiculous thing from the new movie in the farm is I'm talking about the mind control. How they have the special contact lenses because he yeah. needs to like <laughs> yeah. see their eyes and like nope we we got you figured out like that was ridiculous yeah, as was well but, um you know yeah he starts laying the groundwork that like hey i don't have anything left i can't use my push so then he can start just slowly pushing people without them really realizing that that's what he was doing so seeing that playing out and then seeing you know, the Charlie and Rainbird and you're kind of on a time clock because you know Rainbird's getting to Charlie mm-hmm. while her dad is trying to get them out and it's kind of counting against each other was really really interesting. So Yeah, that was some good drama there. Yeah. Like what's gonna happen? Are they are they gonna is he gonna figure it out? Is he gonna get out? And, and then, then he does it. starts figuring out like you know, because that's when then Rainbird starts figuring out, okay, like the doctor, you know, I'm trying to, I'm trying to remember the name of his, uh, his doctor, yeah. um, but I'm not seeing it here. But like, he, you know, all of a sudden he starts doing weird things and talking about, you know, st- stuff he never has talked about. And so all of a sudden Rainbird starts, because again, he's kind of the mastermind of everything, and he's just kind of putting the pieces together. So then he goes to the computer and is like, "Hey, has." <laughs> you know, has the doctor been pushed by Andy? And it's like, yeah, probably. And that's when <laughs> yeah. he's like, okay, this is coming to a head. But all of that drama was pretty, you know, pretty intense seeing how it was going to play out. So, yeah. Yeah, that was good. Um, and then with, you mentioned earlier with the one doctor, he commits suicide by sticking his arm down the <laughs> garbage disposal. That. Once he kind of mentioned, he, he had said a statement and then Andy pushed him and then he started talking about echoes and yeah. people can do weird things. I was like, uh oh. Something's gonna happen with the garbage disposal. Yeah, yep. <laughs> and he has there's a short scene where he the doctor's not feeling well and he kinda looks down in the the garbage disposal and sees it and then he leaves. And I was like, Oh, foreshadowing right there. Something's yeah. happening. <laughs> and then something yep. did. And just that inner, you know, turmoil from these people that you know, and like it kind of alluded to Andy, because that's what he did for his job was push people for good mm-hmm. uh, to, you know, lose weight or be more proactive at work and, you know, be able to get promotions and more confidence. 
And with those echoes, if they were to happen, he was kind of present. So then he could kind of rein the echoes in and fix them. So he never had any. Of course, correct them. Yeah. But, you know, once the doctor started echoing and Andy was away from him, like there was no turn it back. So you got to kind of see how damaging and then wonder if there's maybe people in the that he had pushed that, you know, in the like the cab driver, maybe who knows what happened to him or the. You know, motel work, like there's a bunch of people you're like, oh, I wonder how many people have yeah. maybe died in his wake that he doesn't know about or realize. So, mm-hmm. but yeah. Yeah. And then he pushes Cap, the captain yep. of the shop. And he goes, he goes out the deep end thinking about snakes and golfing snakes and, and slicing. <laughs> <laughs> you see snakes everywhere. And it was, that's when, like you said, uh, Rainbird figures it out. He's like, mm-hmm. okay, something's going on here. Yeah. That was pretty interesting there. Um, and then the end part is um, the dad's going to break her out and they're going to meet at the horse stables. But due to Rainbird figuring it out, he meets Charlie there first. And then when Andy and Cap show up, there's this big showdown and Charlie just unleashes because I think that's when her dad gets shot. Yeah. And so Charlie yep. just unleashes everything. Burns down the stables, uh, burns down the farm, the shop, all the buildings, uh, just goes crazy and everybody's running for their lives. Uh, that was that was pretty horror-based, I yeah. guess you could say, all that stuff that, going on. And that, is, and this will be the first time I allude to it, but, you know, a lot of the similarities with Carrie. Mm. Um, you know, and while Carrie wasn't a, didn't have pyrokinesis, her telekinesis caused fires. She, mm. you know basically burned down her whole town um in that book and so you know just seeing that destruction from charlie and firestarter was you know a good king you know i i liked seeing that and, and just also the people just you know he's very descriptive and you know people were getting electrocuted and just you know all the kind of innocent people that work there and maybe even didn't have a clue what the shop really was. And now this person's shooting fire and yeah. everyone's just running for their lives and <laughs> yeah, very chaotic. Yeah. So, okay. Yeah. And so that's when she takes off. She's able to escape. Rainbird is killed. Her dad's killed. The cap's killed. Um, a lot of the characters we had met previously throughout the story are killed, but she escapes. And like we said earlier, she m- makes it back to that farm with Irv and she stays there for a bit. Then she comes up with a plan because the shop's still, someone's still tracking her, right? And they find out someone's she goes still, back there. Yeah, someone's still tracking her. And I mean, I think, you know, she killed the physical shop, but yeah, there were still remnants of, mm-hmm. you know, well, it hasn't been totally destroyed. I mean, it's still somewhat existing. So, yeah. yeah so they track her down to the farm, but she'd already left. And the end result is she goes to Rolling Stone and talks to them and discloses and tells her story to them because mm-hmm. they're, they're not connected to a government agency. They're kind of a, a freelance magazine or agency at that point. And so she tells them everything. I'm assuming it got published because we didn't. That's where the story ends. Never know. <laughs> uh, one question I had is... Throughout the story, um, 
Andy talks to this guy on the phone. I think his name's Quincy. Yep. Do you know anything about what his deal is? I didn't pick that up. I I want to say because I think they knew each other in college. Um, he was kind of the one, and whether he was more sinister, we'll never know. But he was the one that kind of, you know, told Andy, hey, you know, about the whole Lot Six program, like make make a quick two hundred bucks and. Oh, he was that. You know, he's kind of, yeah, he's kind of that guy that was oh. like, hey, you can do this thing, get okay. some money, uh, you know, and then he, so he kind of confided in him whether that was like a, you know, uh, kind of a agent in place, you know, maybe speculation, but he, that was just kind of his person he could talk about because he, you know, Andy kept everything, you know, they tried to keep it all hidden from everybody um, except for this this person that he would talk to and get yeah. guidance from and yeah. stuff like that. So yeah, it's never been, you know, said or, or anything of who he, who he is or anything like that. But the guy he met along the way. Yeah. And, yep. His college buddies. Yeah. Okay. All right. Fair enough. Um, yeah. So that's, that's the basics of the story. The big thing I was wondering throughout is the push um, that was caused by Lot 6. Do we ever see that pop up in another St- Stephen King book, story, movie? Uh, no, not not in that sense. I mean, you know, a lot of one of the one of the things Stephen King's always said and whether he'll do it or or not, he's he said, I've always wanted to know what happens with Charlie and if she would run into Danny Torrance from The Shining, mm-hmm. now he since has written Doctor Sleep, which we get to see Danny Torrance as an adult. But he's always kind of wanted the two of them to connect <laughs> and yeah. see how that would uh, yeah. go. So, like you know, you have the the shine, mm-hmm. um, you know, that kind of ability, but we haven't really seen the like mind control push um, again. And I mean, maybe I'm missing something as well. I, I tend to, this is why I like reading them again and again is, you know, I kind of lose my crispness on, mm-hmm. you know, everything, but I haven't, re- I haven't rec- recalled a, another like push like this, where it was be like, Ooh, the shop now knowing, Hey, we got somebody else and something to look into. So, yeah. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. That is interesting. Cause that's, where my mind went was the shine. It's like, mm-hmm. well, the shine shows up in other books, right? Yeah. In yeah. Some form. So I'm like, well, does the push show up? Is that like another <laughs> ability that he writes about later? But it doesn't sound like it. But, yeah. I don't see a lot of that type of control. So. Mm-hmm. Cool. All right. Um, well, so as far as Firestarter goes, how would you, I'll rate, I'll give a rating to this book based on my, you know, very little Stephen King experience and just in general. Um, I would say the book is probably an eight, 7.8, you know, high sevens, eight. Very entertaining, a uh, little dated, but that's not his fault. That's not the story's fault. Um, but as far as character development, great story, um, great stuff. I, I enjoyed reading it. I'd read it again at some point in the future. So for you, um, Jordan, as far as like overall Stephen King novels, where does this rate for him? 
Uh, overall, for me, I mean, it, now if I'm just gonna rate it, that's that was the first number that popped into my head was eight. If I'm just rating as an individual book, overall, it's got to fall somewhere in the middle. I've definitely read worse, and I've definitely read a lot better. Mm-hmm. Um, but I kind of struggle. I have always struggled like ranking things I love <laughs> against yeah. each other, right? right. <laughs> because yeah. it's like. I like it. Like, I really enjoy it. I don't want to put it way at the bottom or say, you know, but, um, yeah, the general consensus is it's just kind of a middle, middle work. Um, but yeah, I, I really did. I really did like it. And, you know, maybe again, the, the social worker in me, I really connected, not in a, like I connected with Rainbird more, I think knowing just like how truly, sinister that is of just mm-hmm. kind of messing with and in this case too a little girl of just you know you could just see the lay the groundwork of okay let me first go in and do this and just yeah. piece by piece chip away and you're like you know seeing these things happen in real life i'm always like red flag red flag <laughs> and yeah. you know so i just kind of wanted to yell at charlie and like red flag here yeah. like get out of you know there. so you know, so for for maybe a lot of people, Rainbird is not that sinister of a person. They don't have that connection of, you know, how messed up that really is on a you know personal level that I've seen. Um, and so that for me, that he was one of my. I was thinking, I'm like, he's one of my all time top like bad guys. And the first time I read it, probably didn't feel that way because a I didn't have any kids. <laughs> Um, you know, and that, that was the other thing I've got a daughter that is, you know, a year younger than Charlie right now. So for this and the whole, you know, them going after her and just, Mm -hmm. you know, especially in the beginning, she's tired, she's hungry. It's like 2am and they're just being dragged through airports and motels. It's like, I really did feel that like anger that Andy had of the shop of like, you know, and she just wants to go to school and be normal and so for me too with a daughter that age it was you know the sinisterness I, it really got to me too so so yeah i i'm a fan yeah so. that's some good points uh so you're saying out of all the stephen king books it's kind of middle of the road i put a middle you know okay. middle of the middle of the road so okay so we're we're gonna read some good books then it sounds yeah. like yeah yeah comparison yep. to other novels that's an eight but Stephen King is middle of the road. So yeah, he's, he's, he's got some good ones out there. And yeah. I mean, and that's, that's the thing. I, I like them all. There's, I don't ever read one and be like, well, this was awful. <laughs> so, <laughs> you know, can't say the same for the movies. Uh, I'll say that with movies. Yeah. The new fire starter for me was awful. And, mm-hmm. and again, not in the sense that just, it didn't follow. Cause you know, there's some, some of my favorite Stephen King books are completely different from the movie. And I still like them both because I can do that. But yeah, I just did not enjoy this, this movie very much. So yeah, I agree. All right, cool. So what are we reading next? What are we going to review next? Well, I mean, if we want to just go and, you know, and jump the, jump the gun, um, we've got, I'll take a quick look at my, Got the whole bookcase right there. You have every Stephen King novel, right? Yes, yeah. Everything that's a everything that if it's available, if it's available in a reasonable price point, then I got it. So, mm-hmm. <laughs> um, and including some hard to finds is 
you know, now my wife is telling me <laughs> sell some of this stuff that I bought, you know, 20 years ago. And honestly, I've never opened really. It's just, that's kind of my fandom is to get these things. And now all of a sudden, you know, because with Stephen King, he, you know, he had his heyday and he still is, he's still known as that author, right? New Stephen King book comes out. People kind of know about it, but I would say not as much as probably when he was writing Firestarter and Cujo and it like that was when he was yeah 80s and 90s prime, you know but then all of a sudden so you know so when I got into Stephen King um really got into him you know he wasn't a you know not a lot of people were just like screaming for the new Stephen King book you could get it pretty easily but then all of a sudden with I don't know what's happened but the Stephen King universe has taken off with you know it remakes Pet Cemetery. Uh, Castle Rock on Hulu, like it's just they're just mm -hmm. pumping into this stuff, and so all of a sudden it's taking off. So now all these people want all these books that are written 20 years ago that are just hard, like special edition stuff. So yeah, um, but anyways, back to so Cujo is next. As okay. I look at, the, look at the shelf, but Cujo would be the next, uh, the next book. Unfortunately, not a new movie. I'm still waiting on on that, and I guess I mean I don't know. We could go you know, backwards through like movie chronology. If, you know, if we wanted to do that or we just go chronological through that. And again, this was a perfect spot for me. I can, mm -hmm. you know, we missed out on some of the older uh, stuff, but we can kind of review those quick. You know, you did have a new, uh, we're going to have a new Salem's lot. Oh, really? uh, and, and actually, this will be the first Salem's Lot movie made because there's two movies made, but they're both made for TV. Uh, okay. Not an actual cinematic release of Salem's Lot has ever been made. Okay. Um, so, yeah, kind of however we want to, you know, hit it, um, we can. Cujo's the next book. In the, uh, in on the, the list? On the list. Yeah, that would be that would be up next. So. Mm -hmm. um, in terms of novel, because I don't know, I need to look at the list, but there's a nonfiction book, and I might have put that in the chronological list because uh, it's just listed on there. But obviously, there won't be a movie with <laughs> with that unless it's a documentary. But yeah, Cujo's up. So okay. for for book any, white, so kind of want to Sorry, any idea on the Salem's Lot where that's in production? Are they filming? Yeah, it? I. I want to say it's even done filming. Um, I think it's coming out here in the fall. Okay. So they just had a really good, um, and we could always talk about this more. They just had a really good, it's based on a short story with uh, Adrian Brody called Chapel Wait. Mm -hmm. uh, and not a lot of people would catch that that's anything Stephen King related because there is no short story called Chapel Wait. Um, it's based on a book called Jerusalem's Lot but they wanted to not get confused with the new Salem's lot movie. And so they called it after the town that it took place in. And it takes place in the 1800s and it's hmm. very well done. It was on epics. Um, yeah. But seen something about that. Okay. Yeah. Well, we, we also talked about the Gwendy series next. Yeah. Um, uh, yeah. And I, and I still have yet to read the, the third one just in getting sidetracked with, I read this one really quick um, for the to get ready for the new movie, and then um, obviously just reading other 
things on the bookshelf here and yeah. stuff like that. So I still have yet to finish uh, the Gwendy series. So well, the third book just came out, right? Yeah, it came out. Uh, I want to say a couple months ago. So hmm. yep, and then yeah, so all right, yep. Um, let's go with let's do the like those top books, those early books first. Okay. So we can do Cujo and then we'll jump back and um, maybe do start with Carrie. I would say Carrie now, but it sounds like it's very similar to Firestarter. Yeah. The good thing with Carrie is, I mean, very quick. That's, I, I always kind of recommend that to people. It's probably one of his quickest reads out there. Um, but yeah, Cujo would be a good one to just go and then we can start at the, mm-hmm. start at the beginning and work our way work our way through so okay sounds good so we'll do that and we'll get back uh jump on the mics again and do a review of that at some point in the near future probably uh, next month sometime in june so stay tuned for the next podcast in our stephen king series i want to thank you jordan for joining us joining yeah, me on me. this review it's good to talk to you again and talk yeah. stephen king so uh we'll We'll read Cujo, talk about it, and then we'll we'll go from there, I guess. So, all right. Make sure you like and subscribe to our videos so we get uh, more traffic, more views, all that f- stuff. You know that social media helps out with. So definitely subscribe to our channel, like the video, comment, let us know what you think about uh, Firestarter. If you read it, if you saw the movie, which one you like better, and all that stuff. So. But yeah, thanks for joining us and we'll catch you next time.